This is Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you and let you know our opinions on if it deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be... Lupin? Lupin dans les ombres de Assan? Lupin in the shadows of our sin. Our sin is a name, not our and then sin. Just, just clarify that. So, Lupin is a new show on Netflix, debuted last month, January 2021. Yes. And it's originally a French television show, hence the... French title that I did my best to pronounce, even though out of the two of us, I am not the one with any French education experience. You are the one with the best French education experience. How so? I don't like my education experience in French. <laughs> Thus, you are neutral because you have none. I am negative on mine. It was not a fun time. How was my pronunciation of that title? Not bad. I think they pronounce Arsene like more flowy and like or some shit like that. I don't know. Okay. Darson, because the D like kind of attaches to the word it becomes part of the word but it's not part of the word anyways this show is obviously based on the stories of arsene lupin the classical gentleman thief and that means it's set in france yes i mean it's also made by a french company so yeah we watched it with english dub because taking notes while reading subtitles is very hard yeah uh, we did it for ghost stories and i don't think we're ever gonna do it for anything else ever again we also did it for kiss sis that is also true yeah i repressed that episode yeah, I just repressed that. So, the opening scene has us at the Louvre. That's Indeed. how that's how it's pronounced, right? I'm always terrified. Yeah, no, that should be Louvre. Louvre? Yeah. That R doesn't do anything? I, I mean, I think it gives a tiny bit of, like, flavor to the E, like Louvre. Like, it, it kind of tints your mouth up a bit more in the E. Okay. I then, think... Then we go from the Louvre above ground, the um, glass pyramid at the, at the Louvre. That the, thing that they show you to let you know you're at the Louvre, not because, just, like, look... One of the other buildings that make up the plot of this land. We find ourselves in an underground passageway with people filing in. They're a cleaning crew, and they're going through their security to get in and start cleaning the Louvre for the evening. Yep, they're just grabbing totes, filling them with cleaning supplies, passing them through a security checkpoint, and then going through a metal detector after scanning their ID badge. And we see our main character here, our protagonist, who, until we got any of his names, I was labeled as Lupin because I thought the show was actually... A like modern a, retelling of Lupin. It is, uh, it is not, but maybe it includes elements of. It is unclear. Anyways, our main character is out in the gallery in the Louvre cleaning. Mm-hmm. He walks by that Coldplay album cover. Yep. You know, the one, Viva La Vida or Death and All His Friends, that album cover. Yep. Yep. And uh, then he sees the Mona Lisa. I didn't even know that album cover was in the Louvre. I, like, I <laughs> yes, don't, no. That... I don't know why Coldplay has an album cover in the Louvre. That's oh, kind of it's just insane. so artistic and beautiful and everyone loves that album. It's like an album everybody knows. Of course, it's on display. Did you know Walmart refused to carry that album because of the cover? Yeah, which is like, fuck off. It's Renaissance art. <laughs> because, there, because there was a tit on the cover. and they're Oh like, my fucking God. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I had to buy it when we were at Target, which we didn't have a Target near us when we were growing <laughs> yeah. up. So like we went to Target once in the summer. I was like, oh, yes, finally this album, because I was a kid that loved Coldplay. Yeah. I still like them. They're good. Fuck you. Uh, I'm not saying anything bad against Coldplay. Oh, no, I was talking to the oh, audience. Oh, the audience, yeah. yeah Understandable. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who's judging me for liking Coldplay, fuck you. So I also like Kesha and Britney Spears. What do you want to do? 
So we see our man who, if you looked at his ID badge when he signed it, it was like Luis Perina or something like that. Luis Perina. Yeah, Luis Perina. And he sees the Mona Lisa, so like everyone who ever sees the Mona Lisa, he has to smirk at it for no reason. Oh yeah, he doesn't just like smile at it, he he, he like gives it a smirk. And, like, like a devious smirk, like. And that made me think we were in the middle of a Lupin story where like, this character, who is our Lupin, mm-hmm. has like either already stolen this and this is a fake, or like. He's in the process of doing his long con, like everyone here might be involved, or he's gonna steal it off underneath everyone's nose or some shit. Yeah, but no. It never comes up. It's, he just smirks at art because he can smirk at art. And then he talks to a co-worker about the queen's necklace, which is on display right in front of the Mona Lisa, which seems a little weird. Um, no, no, no. They're in a different area now. No, the, the Mona Lisa's still there. They haven't moved. Yeah, no. We see him walking off and he's by himself for a moment. Oh, maybe. And he walks up to the display case and then another guy shows up. Then, I thought, once again, we're starting with an opening house. Like, start with the fucking action scene. Yeah. Like, so many shows do because, like, you know, it kind of gathers your audience into the show gives well, them the premise because pilot episodes are notoriously rough mm-hmm. and it makes them easier for an audience to engage in if it starts with action yeah it gets them hooked this show doesn't do that this show is definitely a show that needs the two episodes it, it needs the co-pilot treatment yeah because uh fun fact after this first episode i wouldn't have watched the second one at all. no no 100 percent um, I was like, oh man. But after talking to the coworker about the Queen's necklace, which is going for up for auction soon and estimated to be worth twenty million dollars, and so on and so on. For anyone that's wondering what the Queen's necklace is, uh, no, we're, we're in France. It's not Queen Elizabeth. It's not any of the English queens. It is Marie Antoinette's. Yeah, um, but let, let them eat cake, all that fun stuff. Yeah, you know, you know who she is. She never said that. That's I know she's the- not what she said, but everyone thinks she said that. Fuck off. But people after- are dumb. History is wrong. I know this. But after they talk about the Queen's necklace, we get a flash of the title card. Yes. And we have an establishing shot of Paris mm-hmm. and move into a cafe where Asan, who, who is our quote unquote Lupin mm-hmm. um, or Louise Perina, as he was in the previous scene, is talking to a woman. Claire. Who is very viciously judging how he looks and that he doesn't seem to be together, be together at all. He He's looks not like shaved. Shit. He hasn't yeah. shaved. And her name is Claire. And she is the mother of his child. His ex-wife, if I recall. Yes, because uh, we have to learn this bit by bit, which actually isn't bad, because so many fucking shows, it just like comes down, it's just like, he just this is my ex-wife. He just sat down at the table and been like, how's her son doing? Did you get the alimony payment? Yeah. Because that's what shows do. Yep. Lupin tells Claire that he's trying to change for the better. He'll change for her, and she's like, yeah, he's a job. He wants to see his son, Raul. And she's like, you don't need to change for me. Change for Raul. Yeah. So I set up some time to see him on Saturday. And he tries to pay her alimony, and she's like, no, just buy him a gift. The whole time he's doing this, though, he's, like, folding something at the table. Yeah, we can't really see what it is. And then as she leaves... Well, uh, well once she gets outside, she reaches into her pocket and finds that roll of alimony payment and a- another bill folded into an origami flower. Yep. She smiles at him, and then we cut to Asan, Asen, moving Asan. through what seems to be a fairly dilapidated parking lot and courtyard area outside of an apartment complex. Yeah, but then... We have this apartment complex with, like, some weird shapes that look kind of cool. And then a really nice-looking apartment building behind it, so I don't know how dilapidated the area is around it. I'm not for sure either. But he knocks on a door in the apartment building and identifies himself as Luis Pierre Perina. Perina. Yeah. Um, the name that he uses while he works at the Louvre. And he apparently owns money to a man here named Vincent. Yeah. The guy at the door asks him if he has the money. He He's doesn't. Like, no, he I, I gave it to my He just ex-wife. paid alimony. And so the muscle at the door drags him out to a balcony and dangles him over the edge while he talks and attempts to negotiate with yeah. Vincent. So they're talking. He's like, 
I don't have it. My ex-wife has it. Alimony payment from her. They're just like, I guess we can just pay her a visit and get it from her. And he's like, no, 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 no. I've got a plan. I can get you the money. I, I have a job now. And he's like, I work at the Louvre, we can, but we can steal this necklace. And they're just like, that's fucking stupid. And Vincent goes, Kevin, because that, that's the big muscle guy's name. Kevin, very threatening. Throw him off the balcony. And Kevin goes to grab him, but Luis dodges and then smashes Kevin into the TV. And he's like, you looked at me, but you didn't see me. Just it, like my bosses, they don't see me. He gives a pretentious speech here about how nobody actually sees him. Like, they yeah. see him, but they're not seeing him. Yeah. And that convinces them to go along with his plan. Very true. And then he explains that he needs a muscle, a guy who can make decisions, and a getaway driver. The getaway Wait. driver is just this guy who's sitting on the couch playing some racing game. Yeah, his name's Rudy? Yes. And um, uh, the there's... most important thing about Rudy here is his television is fucking magic. Asan slams Kevin into it. Screen goes all shattery. We get ink staining across it, like from where they've flooded the cells and they're damaged. And then when Rudy's like, What do I do? Asan just looks at the screen, which is now magically fixed, and Asan is still playing his game. Yep. Not Asan, Kevin, Rudy. Rudy is still playing his game. Yep. And then Perina walks them through the heist. They will go in as maintenance workers. Kevin and Vincent. Vincent will then, after taking care of security, put on their clothes. Change into the security outfits. Rudy will take care of the, the guy at cameras. And then get to the car. All of this is done with chloroform. Mm-hmm. And then after he takes care of the guy at cameras, he will go and get the, the car and pull it around front to wait for them. And after he does with the guy at cameras, turns off all the cameras, they will have seven minutes. Seven minutes, yeah, because it's like... It'll auto kick back on. No, it's a... Back up. Contacts something the goes police, off, something, yeah. Yeah, and Stuff the happens. response time and so on. Although, I was thinking throughout this episode... His seven minutes is based on an average day at the Louvre. Yeah. The cops should be in the closer to the area because it's going to are planning on doing this during the auction where the necklace is being sold. We know there are police closer to the area. We also know that the alarm goes off before seven minutes is up. That's fair. So, so then they're, Vincent's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to be bidding on the fucking necklace. Duh. Because I need to purchase it so I can get it out in the open so that, they, that you can steal it. Yeah. So once he explains that, we get a flashback to Hassan and his father. And... and- his father is showing him where he now works. Yeah, and he's walking around, and his father makes him spell the word presumptuous because it's important to know how to spell and, like, no fancy words. Yeah, and then it starts to rain, and they walk out of the area where they are, and they see a car that's stalled out Yeah, in the middle yeah. of the street. So his father walks up, and he's, like, knocking on my door. He's like, I'll help. And uh, I don't think we've mentioned at any point here, and it's kind of important to this scene. Asan and his father are both black men. Yes. And so the woman... A white, affluent-looking woman locks her door and is just scared because racism. Indeed. And then he's like, "No, no, your husband hired me. I'm your chauffeur. I'm, I'm the new chauffeur." Because I, I point out racism, not like terrified of two strange men. Because uh, when she heard the voices, she looked briefly happy that she was getting help, and then she saw they were black people mm-hmm. and locked the doors. Yes. So once he assures her that her husband hired him as the new chauffeur. She lets his son sit in the car while it's raining, and he, Baba Carr, mm-hmm. works to get the car working again. Once mm-hmm. once he gets it started and gets back in, he insists on driving her because yeah. he's the chauffeur. And then she looks at Asan and is like, "You know, they call your father." And like, I was, I was really waiting on waiting on a super racist statement here. Yeah, she's same, obviously, same. and she's like, "They call him a gentleman." And like, this is such backtracking because she was so obviously afraid because they were black. Yeah. And she still seems uncomfortable with him sitting in the front seat driving her until he insists. So, yep. 
Yeah. Um, from there, we come back to the present day where the maintenance crew is rolling out a red carpet. Literally rolling out the red carpet for the people going to the Louvre. And um, Asan shows up in a fairly nice car. Not over the top, but fairly nice. And a suit. Yep. And he is posing as a man named Paul Serene. Yes. Um, the rest of the crew... Gets in, no problem. Heads in through the maintenance security, no problems. And then we're back to the option, and we get this long description of the history of the necklace. It was owned by blah, blah, blah. Marie blah, Antoinette, blah, blah. it disappeared, blah, blah, blah. Third Reich had it because they had every fucking artifact painting in Europe at some point. And then blah, 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 and then blah, blah, blah. And, and then, then the Pellegrinis got it 25 years ago. Well, oh. the Pellegrinis got it, and then it was stolen from them 25 years ago. And then we get a flashback. And the gyms were separated out and spread across seven countries. All seven gyms were spread across the countries. But no one counted on Hubert Pellegrini's determination, and he gathered them all together and brought them back. I like the Dragon Balls if your wish was to be rich. So we flash back and we see Babakar in what looks like an office area for the Pellegrinis. Well, first he's pulling the car in after it, it's oh, the yeah, same yeah, day. Yeah. It's raining still. Yeah, different. And he's letting the wife out of the car. Mm-hmm. And we see her wearing the necklace in question. Yes. And then the husband is a dick and he's like, because like first he comes around the car and like Babakar comes around the car and before he can even get to the door to open it for Mrs. Pellegrini, mm-hmm. he's like, open the door for her. Yeah. And it's not like, actually, I did it way nicer. He's like, open the door for her. Yeah. So he opens the door, holds the umbrella where Mr. Pellegrini isn't getting wet mm-hmm. and to where Mrs. Pellegrini came out with getting wet. And then when she gets out, Mr. Pellegrini, Hubert Pellegrini, rips the umbrella from his hand and marches off to the door. And he's like, take the car to the garage. I don't want to get any rained on. After staring at him for a moment, like, yeah, because it's okay that that the car is like. It's okay that the black what, what man gets rained on, but mm-hmm. not the car. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't... Obviously, I've never been a chauffeur or a butler or anything like that. But I feel like most people can probably say that about their lives. But from just the way movies and things generally portray it, like, traditionally, wouldn't he walk them towards the door while holding the umbrella so he can still use the umbrella on the way back to the car? Yes, that's, that's, should, that, you that don't should be want, logical. You don't want I, the inside of your car getting wet, either. Yeah. But Hubert's a dick, so... Yeah. We leave this flashback... And we're introduced to Juliet Pellegrini, who is the kind of current owner of the necklace, but really her father yeah. owns it. She's the daughter of the she's Pellegrinis. Just, she's just at the auction as a representative of the family. She's wearing the necklace down to the stage. Mm-hmm. And then we get a flashback to Hassan at the Pellegrinis' pool, where he is meeting Juliet for the first time. Yeah. And um, Juliet's also racist. Mm-hmm. Because he's he comes in, he's like, Mrs. Pellegrini said I could use the pool. And she just looks at him, and he's kind of like dipping his legs in the pool and sitting there. Mm-hmm. And she's like... Is it true what they say about blacks? He's offended, as he should be. He's like, what are you talking about? They, they can't swim? He's like, I can swim. She doesn't believe him, so she's like, if you swim for me, I'll give you a kiss. Then yeah. he proceeds to doggy paddle across the pool. Yeah. She keeps her word, though, so, I mean, she's racist, but at least she's honest somewhat. I, I don't know. And then we go back to the auction, and she's just talking about how the foundation set up in the name of her and her father. The Juliet and Hubert Pellegrini Foundation. That's yeah. the full name. Is going to do so much for culture and such. It's a foundation meant for the protection and establishing of protective acts for culturally important art and culturally important relics. Yeah. And then we see the other guys in the locker room. They're banging around on lockers until security comes to check it out. Yep. They're supposed to use chloroform to knock out the security here, but... When Rudy sprays the guys with chloroform, it does nothing. So they just get into a knockdown fight with the guards. I actually appreciate that because 
chloroform doesn't work as fast as movies and television have you fucking think no it takes time you have to hold this shit over someone's face for so so fucking long trust me your arms get tired from all the struggling they do it's typically easier just to smack them with something heavy right it's what i do i've given up on the chloroform aspect you shouldn't admit that on a podcast that is going to go global i mean i've never done that theoretically i would hit someone with something large and heavy before using chloroform if i was guilty here's how i did it yeah i'm gonna write a book about it I have the same publisher as OJ. I don't believe you, but um, <laughs> yeah. So they knock the guys out and pick up the radio, and Rudy, because Rudy convinces the central guard station who's calling to check in that, that it was a false alarm. Yep. Yeah. And now we're we were at the bidding, but it was unimportant because they were just bidding. But now, importantly, Hassan is bidding. Yeah. And the, he's just bid three million, thirty-three million euros. Mm, yeah. The bidding started at eighteen million, and then Hassan joins in at thirty-three. Yeah. And, um, and the auctioneer he, is skeptical. Yeah, the auctioneer is skeptical. He's like, this guy hasn't bid on anything. Who is he? So an assistant to the auctioneer pulls up an internet search result. He's just a wiki page. For Paul Serene, which claims he is worth $500 million. $576 million, to be exact. $576 million euros, not yes, dollars. My to be bad. exact, $576 million euros. And then we get another flashback. And it's Hubert angry on the phone, complaining to whoever's on the phone with, and he storms into his office room area, the place I was trying to mention before. And Babakar is standing there looking at some books. And Hubert's yelling at him that he's just making himself at home, isn't he? And you aren't being paid to read. Yep. Miss Pellegrini then begs him to forgive her husband, who is, quote unquote, just worried about his business. Yeah. And tells him, why don't you grab a book for your son? Uh, he chooses Arsene Lupin, the gentleman burglar. Yes. So I was under the impression that this was a modern day adaptation of Lupin until he grabbed the book but if the book exists as a work of fiction within this world then that means this world is not a reimagining of the story of Lupin unless we go with the obvious route that the author of the book is actually Lupin pretending to be someone else fictionalizing himself so he doesn't seem real so when people are trying to track him down as Lupin it's all just a trick because it's a book more importantly, the big Pel- brain plays, baby. Five more, head. More importantly, the Pellegrino family is both in the story of Lupin, yeah, and in the show Lupin. So, for those of you unaware of more Lupin stuff, a character involved is it references Cagliostro, a magician from like French in like the late 1800s, and one of Lupin's main nemesis and lovers in the book is Josephine. Balsamo, which is the actual name that the Count of Cagliostro had as a last name in real life. And in the book, she is supposedly a descendant of Cagliostro. And she pretends to be someone else called Josephine Pellegrini. He eventually finds out and whatever and whatnot. But Pellegrini is her cover name in the book for quite a while. Anyways, Bo- books. Anyways, we then cut back from this to the camera room where Rudy finds that that Shutting down cameras is hard. Well, the the guard in here isn't asleep like he was told he always is. Mm -hmm. In fact, he's rolling a blunt and watching a soccer game. Yeah. So Rudy comes in, sprays the chloroform, which I don't even know why he tried it again. Like It doesn't work. So uh, he just grabs a nice shiny trash can and just slams it in the guy's head. Like we said, it's easier to hit people with hard objects than it is to put them out with chloroform. Yeah. So then he learns it's hard to shut off cameras when you don't know what they do. So he's just pushing all kinds of buttons and sees a big red button and slams it. Luckily, Mm -hmm. it's not an alarm and it turns off all the cameras. Yep. Because, yeah, why wouldn't it? At this point, Rudy texts Asan and says the cameras are down. And the, and the guys they're working with, Vincent and Kevin. So that means the clock started. So mm-hmm. because this 
has been going back and forth between Hassan and another man. Yeah, he's at like 40 million now. They're going back 37, 38, 39, 40. Hassan's just like... And they're waiting on a bid for 43 million, and mm-hmm. Hassan currently holds it at 42. Or, no, they're waiting on a bid for 42, and Hassan mm-hmm. holds it at 41. And then he raises his thing, and the auctioneer's like, Sir, you already have the highest bid. He's like, And he's like, it's taking too long. 60 million. Yeah. And the auctioneer's like, wait, what? 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 Okay, okay, yeah, 60 million. Um, while he's doing this, the... Vincent and Frank appear on the side of the stage dressed in security outfits. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin asks Vincent, I don't know where you got Frank from. Mm, yes, my bad. Kevin asks Vincent, do you think he's going to betray us? And Vincent goes, well, we're going to betray him first. Yep. So we then get a flashback of back in Mr. Pellegrini's office. Mm. No, no, we get that right after another scene of racism. It's the auctioneer and Hassan or Serene in this moment. And the auctioneer is just like, I'm surprised someone like you were at the auction. And like, Hassan's like, what do you mean by that? And and the guy pauses for him like, shit, how do I cover myself that I'm surprised a black guy has money? Um, 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 someone so young? Which he's not that young. He's, he was born in 77, according to his Wikipedia page, which would make him 40. Yeah, because 42. he was like 14, some shit, 13 when the necklace was originally stolen like 25 years ago. So it's 25 plus 13. So he's like 39, actually, I think. But his the Wikipedia bio has him listed as 1977. His actual birthday would be like 1982. Yeah, it's... Character's like 39, not super young. And also there were people who looked younger than him in the crowd. Yes. So racism. It is just racism. Yeah. But then we get a flashback to Mr. Pellegrini's office, and Mr. Pellegrini has found that the necklace is missing. Mm-hmm. And he blames Asan's father, Babakar. Ba- Babakar, for it, and has him arrested. Yeah. Avocar tries to plead that it wasn't him. He didn't even know about the safe. Yeah. Um, Hubert's asked... yelling at Babakar about it. Yeah. And then he's like, get get his... He says it's... Uh, something so, is... well, because Babakar, in his defense, like, he's angry. He's getting angry. He yells that it wasn't him. And the moment he raises his voice above the talking tone, the police step in and push him back. Calm down, calm down. Let's not get angry and stuff here. You know, that bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Hubert says something like, yeah, get that, get his type out of here or something like that. Yeah, it's... And Babakar gets justifiably angrier and is dragged off to prison yep. while yelling for Mrs. Pellegrini to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. In the present day, we go back to the outside of the Louvre, and Rudy is chilling out in his Ferrari that he has stolen mm-hmm. to use for the getaway car. And a police officer walks up and he's like, It's a nice, inconspicuous red Ferrari. Yeah, there, there's things you want for getaway cars. Really inconspicuous, really expensive car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, arguably, it is inconspicuous for the event. It is not inconspicuous for a getaway, though. Yeah. So a police officer walks up. He's like, if you're just waiting, turn your car off. Come on, man. The fucking environment. So, I mean, it doesn't really do much. I guess it's supposed to add tension when they run out later. Yeah, it's literally and, just tension because it's a cop coming up yeah, the window. Yeah, it feels really neat. I think it's, like, supposed to be a chuckle, but it wasn't. Yep, back in the museum, Asan is convincing the auction staff. We get his name, but I forgot his name. We get his name later in the episode. It's uh, Tabolt. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, Asan is convincing Tabolt to let him see the necklace while they wait for the transfer mm-hmm. to validate. And at this point, Frank and Vincent are the only security guards in the room. And so they attack Tabolt and Asan, take the necklace, zip tie Asan and zip tie Tabolt, and make a run for it. Yeah. Um, and when they start running, well, the alarm They sounds. walk off, and then the alarm goes off and they run. Yep. And the alarm sounding sends everybody in the building into a frenzy. Everybody's scrambling, trying to get out. But... Yeah, because that's what people do, because people are stupid. It's almost like when alarms go off, you should do things orderly, but never do that. Vincent and Frank 
Kevin, sorry. I don't know why I have him listed as Frank in my notes. I don't know. Because it's it's a really lame muscle man name. Yeah, Vincent and Kevin are running off through the staff entrance. And then they're stopped by security. And the guy's just like, whoa, 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 we can't let anyone get away. And they're like, we're also security. And like, we have to stop the track. And then Kevin just like decks the guy and they take off. They run outside, hop into the getaway car, which Vincent is very pissed about. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck, Rudy? And he's like, I got a car. And then <laughs> Rudy takes off. Cops are chasing he, after them in vehicles. He goes to drift around the, the circle in the parking, like, in on, in the road. Yeah, he goes to go, like, around this roundabout and, and uh, hits the brakes a bit hard and cuts it too deep. And then it hits the curb and steps and sends the car up. It's not even that bad because he is... He goes to drift, hits the brakes too hard, turns a bit, and then slams on the gas directly into it. It's not like when he was braking, he hit it, he hit it. He drove directly into these steps. And then launches his car through a skylight at the Louvre. Not the pyramid one, don't worry, the pyramid's still there. Yeah, you'll still be able to tell it's the Louvre. But then another skylight. Yeah. In fact, I think it's the inverted pyramid skylight. I think so, yeah. And then we cut to another flashback. And it is Hassan visiting his father in jail. Except his father is now dead in jail. And there's a moment here where he makes eye contact with a with a prisoner. Who we have no frame of reference for at all in this two episodes. No, but it seems it seems like it mattered. Then his father is found dead in his cell by suicide. Yeah. Hanging. Part of me hopes that the prisoner he makes eye contact with is the actual Arsene Lupin, which uh, wouldn't make sense with the timeline of when things are established, but I can hope and dream. Or a previous Arsene Lupin, someone has just assumed the title. And his father's burial, Mrs. Pellegrini shows up, and she asks Hassan if there's anything she can do to help him, anything he needs. She's sorry, she'll help however... And he just really starts playing with like, yes, madam. Thanks, madam. And then he goes, go fuck yourself, madam. And then walks off. Which I actually loved. It was really well done. And probably, besides Rudy fucking up and crashing into the Louvre, the best part, the second best part of this episode. Like, yeah. he goes, Rudy, him telling Mrs. Pellegrini to go fuck off. Those were the highlights. And then we cut back to the museum. A police captain is currently interrogating Tabolt and Asan, but mainly Asan because he's black. Mm-hmm. Or because this captain is a very good police captain, because Hassan was part of this theft. Like, yeah. we're like it's a little, a little column A, a little column but B. But as he's questioning him, Tabolt's like, whoa, 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 he's fine. He was the buyer because Tabolt doesn't want to uh, incur the wrath of a man who has the spending power of five hundred and seventy-six million euros. Yep. But while he's doing that, he gets a call from the, where the crash site is, and another police officer is informing him that the thieves have been apprehended and the necklace has been recovered. Yes. So the captain lets Asan go, except as he's walking away, he has to stop him and search him, because why not? And all he finds is a Louvre pin. Yep. And the guy's just like, it's a, Asan's like, it's a souvenir. Yep. Can I go now? We get another flashback of Asan in his home as a teenager after his father's death, and he's going through his father's stuff at this point. And we, the TV is just on talking about the suicide. He finds a gift wrap that, for him, and it says, happy birthday, Asan. It is a book about Lupin. It's the book about mm-hmm. Lupin that he received from Mrs. Pellegrini. Yes. And then he starts to read the opening, and we cut back to two weeks ago. And for... Well, not yet. We, we, get, we get a scene of Hassan using the employee exit to leave the Louvre instead of the main exit. He makes his leave from the Louvre while the young Hassan narrates the beginning of the Lupin novel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we go back two weeks. So, just so anyone's aware, the opening of the Lupin novel is just talking about how Lupin is a great thief. Maybe his name's not Lupin. He's a lone wolf. He does things on his own. He's Any, super good at his job. Anybody could be Lupin. You could have already met him. You may never know. His name may not even be Lupin. He can change his name and his face. Da, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yep. So well, it's actually a really good opening, but instead of watching this show for it, just just read the original book. We then cut to two weeks earlier, like you said, and the son is in his apartment. 
mm-hmm. where he sees a new segment talking about the queen's necklace. Yeah, we also see he has a bunch of nice clothes and books, by the way, in like his apartment or whatever it is. It is a kind of small apartment, though. Like, well, the thing is, though, when we come back in the second episode, it appears to be like weirdly stretched out and laid out. Yeah, it's kind and of I got, long. I got from all the clutter, but like high end clutter. I got very uh, specific, like V for Vendetta, V's hideout vibes. Yeah, kind of. Dude, um, they were just busts and then like mannequin heads wearing different things. It is just a V for Vendetta hideout. He sees a new segment talking about the Queen's necklace being returned, how the seven jewels were had been recovered from around the world and mm-hmm. the necklace had been put back together. He then proceeds to get a job via a temp agency under a fake fake ID. Yeah, he's trying to get at the lady's like, no, and he's like, Oh wait, are you from Senegal? I'm from Senegal. She's like, Well, and- I'm from blah blah blah. He's like, So am I. He's like, I remember going to the market and there's a guy who played music, so he let her fill in the detail about who the guy was. He's like, yeah, of course I know. Insert name here. Yep. He takes. Then he then goes and takes a loan from Vincent to pull himself into Vincent's world. Mm-hmm. Fabricates the Wikipedia page about Paul's serene, and then we see him picking up a fake of the Queen's necklace from his friend Benjamin. Yes. Then when Vincent and Frank betray him, he hides the real one in a trash can and slips the fake one onto the floor via some clever sleight of hand. Hmm. Then after the whole robbery. He enters back into the Louvre. He reestablishes something that he mentioned, talking about that when you leave, the only thing they don't check is the garbage. Yep, and he passes the trash a trash bag with the necklace through, filled with dirty diapers. So when the guards open it briefly to like do a brief glance, he's like, "Oh shit, this stinks! Just take the fucking bag." Then he pulls the necklace out of the bag and leaves again mm-hmm. in the police station. They then find out the necklace is a fake. Yeah, from the guy who was there previously found the guys and i think they called him guerda guerdia yeah and this we get his name later as yusuf so i assume that's his first name that's what i'm gonna use because the other one's stupid yeah and this guy is a arsene lupin fan mm-hmm. he's read all the books yep and he's in he's the one in charge of letting the buyer paul Sorin, know that the necklace is fake and as he writes it down he realizes oh shit that's an anagram for arsene lupin and then he just rushes out of the station yes Hassan then shows up to his ex-wife's apartments and he's early to pick up his son for their day together yeah they just talk it's a nice interaction and then he leaves with raul yeah and then he out talking he talks about how his mom has always is always saying that he's on his phone all the time and it's mm-hmm. kind of sad because when he was his age he liked books and it sounds like books aren't great and he's like well, well his son's like yeah but cell phones didn't exist when you were a kid yeah like, he's like well, that sucks. I guess you don't want your gift. And he gives his son the Arsene Lupin book. The same the same copy, actually. It's, yeah, the exact same it's one. No, it's tagged with notes in it. and Yeah, and so. then the episode closes out with him narrating that this book is his heritage, his path. He, he is Lupin. He's not Lupin, though. He's but. not. That's a fucking lie. So that takes us to the end of the first episode. Do you want to start or should I? You're probably more against this show than I am. So, do we want to end on a good note or a bad note for the first episode? Uh, I'll I'll take it here. Okay, we'll start with the bad note then. Okay, so, I love heists. Heists are fucking great. Like, my favorite TV show of all time, we've reviewed on this podcast with with our friend Chris, Buried Comic 7 on Twitch, you should go check him out, and it's called Money Heist, or... La Casa de Papel. And it's my favorite show of all time, and it's literally just a heist show. Yeah, it's a very well done heist show. And as bad as some of the it is, Mission Impossible are some of my favorite movies. Like, I know they're terrible, but I have so much fun watching Leverage them. Leverage is a great show. The first Now You See Me movie is pretty good. The second one's White just fun Collar, for Daniel Radcliffe. White Burn Co- Notice. Yeah, like, I love all these shows and movies. Sherlock. And they all have heists at their center. And then, it's a great um, pretender. 
I haven't finished. I haven't finished the Great Pretender. Yeah. But like, which makes it so sad that I find this show so slow and sluggish mm-hmm. and boring because this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite subgenres of of modern fiction. Like, heists are so much fun. I don't know why I find them so much fun. It like, I guess it's like a combination of tension and combination of corporate pieces of shit getting getting their money yeah. stolen. And like, honestly, this episode in particular is a lot like a le- episode of Leverage. Yeah. Except but not well done. Except it's like leverage. If you took away all the charm leverage has and all the flair leverage has, mm-hmm. and instead filled it with flashbacks that I really don't care about, even if they do give us context for the show. Yeah. So the, the flashbacks, even though they're giving us context, just feel like they slow everything down. They only slow us down more. Yeah. Also, I don't think we need the scene where Mrs. Pellegrini is wearing the necklace. We don't. I mean, all it does is just establish. Look, they had a necklace that we see later in the scene, anyways. And okay. that Hubert is a racist piece of shit, which we see later in the scene anyways. Without even going to the second episode, I can tell you what happened. Like, here's here's what happened to the necklace. His business is crashing. Mm-hmm. This necklace is overinsured. Yeah. He stages the robbery. Blames the black guy. Creates a rumor of it being sold across the co- country so it can't actually be tracked down. Mm-hmm. And then hides it. Yeah. And then sells it later when he needs money again. Refin- refines it and sells it again. Yeah, no, obvious from where it was going from the very beginning. But my thoughts are, although based on the next episode, I think my my theory think changes a little bit. Not much though. But not much. Yeah. yeah. So, my theory on the next part. I mean, my thoughts are is uh, I don't think it's particularly good or bad. It just slogs forever and seems to drag on. I, I wouldn't call it bad. It's just boring. Yeah, it's not bad or good. It exists, which, which is, that- is arguably worse than being bad or worse than being good. If it's bad, I can actually like talk about it still and like yeah. If you if you notice, we I, I feel like we really rushed that, and that's because it was so boring. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot to talk about. We would, could have taken longer to say things, but what's the point of that? I was really excited to watch the show after I fell asleep oh, watching the trailer right, 40 times. It, the trailer made it look so fucking good. Because if you guys don't know, like I said, the show's on Netflix. So, you know how Netflix will just play a trailer over and over and over again? Yeah. I watched a stand-up show one night, fell asleep watching that, and then it just played the Lupin trailer. Over for like, and over, yeah. For like an hour and a half. The trailer made it look so fucking great. But the only thing I can, I'm really hoping for at the end of this first episode, and I'm only hoping for something because uh, the way we do our show, I have to watch the next episode. I'm hoping it makes the Pellegrinis more than just a nod to the book. Like, look, we used the same name. And actually involved with like the book, being involved in the story. Like, Is this a, is this a Smallville thing? They're too scared to like I don't tie want, into the source yeah, material. I, I hope it's fucking not. Why the fuck would you be too scared to tie into the source material of something from the 1900s where there have been a fuck ton of movies, other television shows? It's referenced in manga, comics, movies, games. Before I ever heard TV. Before I ever knew of Arsene Lupin. Lupin the Third. That's how I discovered anything Same. to do with Lupin. I was like, Lupin the Third is dope. And then I read Arsene Lupin, and because I'd also heard of, like the gentleman thief motif, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like. Wait, those two go together? I want to find this source. So I read, I think, the first book. I don't think I've read any of the others. I know other stuff just from, like, general It's like Sherlock. Absorption. Even if you haven't read yeah. all of Sherlock, you have yeah, this exactly. cultural, like, absorption. So, you know, I was, like, excited for this. And zeitgeist, so I, that's what it is. It's, yeah. It's, it's I cultural want zeitgeist. It to include the book. Like, like I mentioned, I want, like, the guy who looked at him. Because otherwise there is no reason for him to just, for us to focus on the guy. I want this guy to be like another Lupin imposter or like Lupin passed down the title and it's an, it's a 
title that's passed down and like i want arsan to become like titled I think, arsene lupin i think your the gentleman theme. your hopes are a little too high definitely so the show has five episodes so far and it's getting five more later because production's fucked up for everything because of covid stuff that happened well also um europeans t- tvs they break it up more often they're, they're not called seasons they're called parts parts, parts are series depending on where you're at yeah. and parts are ordered in different variations yes yeah. like. but part one gets another has another five episode supposedly and i just want it to be that because i need that also can can you tell me at any point of this when was this on a gentleman thief and not just a thief with a good plan anyways episode two it is entitled chapter two i don't know if we hit on that for episode no no one. no no episode two is part one episode two chapter two yes that's correct part one episode two chapter two that is a hundred percent correct Episode 2 opens with a shot of the same prison from the flashbacks in, in episode 1. Mm-hmm. The one that his dad was put in. And Asan is being escorted to a cell. Mm-hmm. And he's locked in the cell. And then his cellmate get... asks him, what are you in for? Yeah. And, and then we get two days earlier. Well, we get a title card first. Yeah, yeah. And then two days earlier. And we see Raul just fucking around in Benjamin's store. And Asan is upstairs at Benjamin's shop having an argument with Ben. Apparently the Queen's necklace was never broken apart. And, yep. The gems were never taken out. And Asan's like... That's fucking bullshit. My dad sold. My dad stole it, and then sold it piecemeal. Ben was like, "Nah, I was never fucking taken apart." That sounds like, but if that didn't happen, then my dad didn't steal it. Yeah. We then flash back to Asan as a teenager after the death of his father, and a cop is banging on the door to the apartment. And after he identifies himself as Inspector Dumont, Asan lets him in, yeah. and is told Asan is told to have a seat. Well, after the officer hears him, like, "Were you just gonna make me knock the fucking door down?" Yeah. I don't think he says fucking, but he's an asshole. So yeah, why yeah. Not? And then um, commands Asan to sit down. And then he's like, how old are you? And Asan is 16 now. It's mm-hmm. been maybe not quite a year since his father's death, but it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you live alone? And he's like, no, I live with my mom. She should be home soon. Mm-hmm. And the officer goes to pick up a photo and Asan snatches it from him because this police officer, I don't know how warrants and things and police officers work in France. I assume they still can't just enter your fucking property because they're police officers. Yeah, I would assume so, but... I feel like most countries have adopted the whole thing of police can't just enter your fucking home. I feel like most countries are on that on that level at least, right? Yeah, but he he's then like, you're, you don't live with your mom. Go pack your bags. You're going to social services. Mm-hmm. And so Asan does go to his room and packs his bag. And then bells out the window. Climbs the balcony over to his neighbor's place. Runs out of his neighbor's apartment. And then is caught on the stairwell by Dumont. And caught is a uh, slammed, not strong enough word. Slammed against the wall by Dumont. And then with Dumont right in front, goes, "You're gonna get better at escaping," and like says it like a threat, like he's imprisoning him somewhere. No, no, like, no, he says it like it's foreshadowing. No, not with his tone of voice. That was not foreshadowing. No, no, no. Maybe no, it no, wasn't no. the original French dialogue. He says it like the writing was foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, guy they had dubbed that. I did not say that like it was foreshadowing. It was like a fucking threat. Like more like I'm gonna put you in the back of my car, sink it in a lake, and you better hope you can fucking escape. We then cut to Juliet Pellegrini talking to her mother. Yeah, and they're talking about how the necklace is missing again. How Mr. Pellegrini's pissed off about that. And she's like, "I'm gonna go stop by the foundation." And her mom's like, "I heard the necklace is a fake." And her daughter's like, "Yeah, but they're gonna find it soon." And mom's just like. Of course, yeah, of course, that's what you heard, the newspapers are saying. Your dad fucking owns the newspapers. Yeah, and Mrs. Pellegrini and Mr. Pellegrini are on the outs here. They don't live together anymore. Literally, she refers to the apartment that she's in at the moment as a gilded prison, mm-hmm. and she's like, "You should just watch out for your father. You're just so enamored with him, and like, it's not like the only reason why I'm still alive is because I know where the bodies are." 
Mm-hmm. Basically, you're on his side or you're not, and yeah. there's no other way to be. So um, Julia's just like, whatever-ish, and leaves. Yep, as she leaves her mother's place, the doorman has a letter for her, and the letter tells her to meet at Luxembourg Gardens at 2 p.m. with no police. And in the bottom of the letter is a diamond. From the Queen's Necklace. Mind you, they keep saying gems, but they're clearly fucking diamonds, unless someone's just like, here's some cubic zirconium. The only reason why you like it is because it was put in this really fancy thing, because old-timey people thought it was diamonds. In the park, Asan is dressed in a food delivery service outfit and is making calls to more food delivery services. Yes. He sits down next to Julia um, Polygrini with his bike next to him. Mm-hmm. Then he, he, he like, takes stock of the area around them. He sees a, a cop with a camera, and he sees, like, a microphone on Juliet's blouse, a jacket. He sees a brooch which has a really big jewel in it that's clearly a fucking camera. Yeah. No matter who you are, you know it's a fucking camera. And so he puts his hand over that and, like, crunches out the microphone. Pulls down his mask, and he's like, surprise. And he's like, I told you no police. Yeah. Anyways, Nick is a talking, and he reveals to her that he knows the necklace was never disassembled. Mm-hmm. That his father didn't steal it. And she acknowledges that the necklace was never disassembled. Mm-hmm. And and straight up tells him that... They made it up to increase hype for the auction. And then bought the necklace back five years ago mm-hmm. from somebody in Argentina. Or yeah, South America. South America. And he's like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and... Uh, he's like, tell me my father didn't steal it. She's like, I can't. He stole it. Yeah, she refuses to admit that his father was innocent, but does confirm that the necklace was never broken apart. Yeah, so he bells on his bike, and the police chase after him. Yep. And then the other delivery drivers, bikers, show up. Yep, and so he loses himself in the crowd of delivery people. Mm -hmm. And the cops physically stop a guy biking out of the park, like rip him off his bike, and it's not him. Then all the other bikers show up, and they're all just confused, and we see our scene just watching this happen. I'm sorry, Asan. Mm Mm-hmm. He's not Watching this happen, yeah. And uh, he then leaves. Asan then goes... I don't know where he's at in this scene, but he finds a letter that his father left him. I assume it's back at his place. This is the place that gives me the view from Dedicus. He's walking in a hall. We see all kinds of busts in a shelf. Like, it feels like a storage unit or something. But, but, it, like, but then it can like, continues up and to the right, like, just two long hallways connected. We see some, like, really gilded frames that look like some art kind of hidden. We see... Mannequin hands are like hats and stuff, and then we see an old timey suitcase that he opens and finds a letter from his father. Yeah, it's there's this letter, and it's his father actually admitting he stole the necklace. But mm-hmm. the letter has typos, which lead us to a flashback, flashback of his, of his father, father being like harping on like spelling, spelling is important. Your mother would be disappointed if you didn't spell right. And so this leads Lupin to a theory, and he goes and talks to Ben about the letter. Apparently, the letter mm-hmm. is actually a lead to a man named Commit. 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 Etion. Okay. Anyways. And um, um, it leads to him because the letter has a line about truth being found in libraries. The guy was bunking with his father. He found out who the guy was because the spelling errors led him to those initials and then to, like, a new... There was two misspelled words in, in the letter. And one... he figured out that it was his father's cellmate in prison. And well, the, the guy... The two misspelled words, one was library, which was misspelled, mm-hmm. and the other was, the na- was, was, like, comet, like what you would see in the night sky. Mm-hmm. So... They were spelled commit and library was misspelled yeah. and he, he so was he like, searched oh. Kome library. Oh look, Kome Etienne worked in the library. Well, my father was in prison. Yeah, oh. and was my father's cellmate. Yep. So Ben's like, well, go visit Kome then. And Asan's like, can't. He's, he's in prison still, and he's, he's sick in his cell and can't visit anyone. So Asan goes to the prison and takes the place of a current inmate. I would say this is clever, but it's really not. It just. Literally depends on racism. That and the fact that this guy hasn't been here long and is apparently, that's it. It, it You haven't been here long, we're both black. It's literally the trick. 
So like literally the guy points out is like because we look so much alike and Hassan's basically just like I mean they're changing guards in a moment, so the new guy's just gonna see a black guy and assume he belongs in prison. Yep. So while Hassan is being escorted to his cell, we have a flashback to him being a kid being led through a group home. It's actually probably one of the best cuts in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because literally everything about the pose and it, it works because we kind of move off to look at the window and then it, we move back to Hassan and it's a younger Hassan carrying his stuff. Oh yeah, it's definitely a good shot. Like, I think that's the thing we haven't mentioned about the show. It does have good filmography. It has yeah. good cuts. It has good angles, good shooting. It's writing is just kind of blah. And pacing uh, is blah. Unfortunately, the story of a show is more important than the filmography. Yeah, like... Yeah. If the show that we... That shall not be named. The first be- one. Had, had better filmography. It might have been... Well, no. The writing was kind of bad, too. Yeah, yeah. If it had better filmography, it would have been watchable. If it had a better script without the better filmography, it still would have been watchable. Star Wars doesn't have great filmography. It's watchable. It's actually enjoyable. I don't know. Some of the, like... I mean, it has innovative cuts, but now they're just overdone and boring, so you're watching that makes it eh. Anyways. Um, in the police station, Madame Pellegrini, um, Juliet... Mm-hmm. Is being questioned about whether or not she knew the suspect, which yeah. she did, but she doesn't admit that to the police. Instead, she's like, "Am I under arrest? Yeah, Are you questioning like, me?" And she's like, "If you're implying that I'm a criminal, you can arrest me to interrogate me. But if you arrest me, you'll lose your fucking job." Which is both a cool and ballsy as fuck, but b sad and how the real world works. Because of course, he'll lose his job. She's fucking rich, and she can make that happen. So the captain backpedals. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I just, you know, wanted to know. He said, that's a reasonable request, right? And she's just like. He said you oh. were, t- she said you were bad at your job. Yeah. No, she says, she talks about how the detective leaving is a fucking idiot. She doesn't say fucking, but yeah. she says it's an idiot. And he's just. And then like, he, then he didn't, she gets up and leaves. And, and he knocks all the files off his desk because he's angry and wants to make his job harder for himself. Because he is angry and an idiot. Yeah. So uh. then we come back to Hassan in prison in his nice, like, room he has coffee pot uh, like all kinds of spices a good TV. storage area and areas he has a pan on the wall which implies they have a heating element somewhere there they have books and individual lights for the bunks. bunks a nice window that makes it look like they're on a cruise and the room's slightly bigger than you would get on like a standard room cruise i'm not sure i don't actually go on boats but it's better equipped than most dorms i've seen not as spacious as some but better equipped but we cut to him out in the yard walking around, getting a feel for who might know mm-hmm. where Commit is. He goes up to a group of guys, asks them about Commit. They're like, what does it matter to you? And he's like, we're friends. And then he ends up buying Commit's location off of them for a pack of cigarettes. Two each. packs. It is two packs. Oh, is it? Two packs of cigarettes, yeah. He oh. way overpaid for that information. I thought it was one per person. I mean, it might be one per person, but he did hold out to, to the one guy. Yeah, but then he shared it with the yeah but i mean that's still way too much to pay for two people yeah doesn't matter i got the job done he's told what room commit is in mm-hmm. cut to the police station where an officer who where the officer who's a fan of lupon yusef realizes that hey not only is serene saying paul serene paul serene an anagram so is luis perina yep perina then we cut back to the yard where Hassan is threatened by some people well we cut by he stops by come so and learns that Kamei is in the infirmary. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And then, just outside of there, the As I Live With Them yard boys show up and ask him who he is. Because uh, the guy you switch places with was supposed to get them a thousand years worth of dope. And now they're holding Asan to that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Asan then goes, goes to the infirmary, infirmary to complain of a tummy ache. And tries to get be held in the infirmary overnight. And the doctor's like, it's a tummy ache. 
she, you're fine. Yeah, you're, she's like, you're a big tough guy. You can survive here. Yeah, it's scary, but she's like, stop, off. Be, stop being a bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then we cut back to uh, Yusef stopping one of the other detectives, and he's just like, I got something to show you. Shows this massive Lupin conspiracy board. It has both names that um, Anastan has used. He's like, they're the same. It shows the history of the necklace. It shows his father on there. They're the same. Same. They're both anagrams for Lupin. It's all about this. He's like, there's similarities between like the necklace and this Lupin case. And and this Lupin thing. She's like, should I go to the captain? And she's like, He's already fucking angry. Why would you, like, yeah, go ahead. Get fired. 100% yeah. do it. She, like, straight up calls him dumb, and he, like, he looks brokenhearted. I actually feel bad for this man, because, because it's a crazy right. theory, but, man, is he fucking right? So, he slides this board back over to cover his conspiracy board. And then... I, I think he's my favorite character in the show. Then we cut to Hassan back out in the yard, and he walks up to the guys that were like, you owe us $1,000 dope. You have three days. And he's like, I'm not fucking doing and that. And he's like, so how did... The other guy get the dope into the prison. And they're like, he swallowed it and then shed it out. It's like, that's not fucking happening. And he's like, that's not that's not happening. You can shove your money where where the dope comes from. Yeah. So uh, he gets shanked multiple times. Yeah. And he goes to the infirmary and he gets to stay overnight. California, it's a success. The doctor slightly flirts with him. He flirts back. It is the most gentleman thiefy we get. Yay. He has some charm. Ooh. And then back at the infirmary. Hassan finally gets to talk to Kumit. Kumit. But, but Kumit or ITN. <laughs> but Kumit doesn't know his father, only that he borrowed a book from the library once because Kumit worked in the library at the yeah. time. Uh, well, he also mentioned something else that's kind of important. Because when we saw it earlier, it said that they were cellmates, right? Yes. But ITN says he was never in the cell with him because his father was in the cell alone under surveillance. Yes. Which means that suicide looks sketchy as fuck because that should have been obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his father just had a, borrowed a book from him. And then Kumit was instructed to give it to someone if they ever came asking for him. Yeah. We get and another that, flashback. The book would have all the answers yeah. for, for the person who was asking. We get another flashback, and it is Asan alone on a bench with a Bible that the guy in charge of this orphanage gave him because, uh, of course, in a moment of someone's weakness, you push the Bible. Obviously. And the guy's just like, blah, 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 blah. Here's a letter from your dad. It's the same letter we had earlier. They start to read it. He crumbles it, throws it away. And then he's told... Hey, someone's anonymously going to pay for you to go to this really nice private school. We already know who the fuck it is. It's obviously Mrs. Mrs. Pellegrini. Yeah. And and he's like, oh, you like the book? And walks off and Lupin opens the Bible and he's just cut out a huge section of the Bible and inserted his Arsene Lupin book. I, mean, I approve. It's probably better reading the Bible. Definitely. Definitely. In prison, Hassan uses laundry duty to get into Kome's cell mm-hmm. and get the book. The book has a message hidden in it. And after deciphering it, it, the message reads, M. Innocent, trapped by N. Pellegrini. Yeah. Um, N. Pellegrini is apparently Mrs. Pellegrini. Yes. We also see a scene of just Raul at the table eating with his mom, Claire. And he's just obsessed with this book, with his Arsene Lupin book. Mm-hmm. They, they cut that back and forth between Arsene, between Raul leading, reading Arsene and Asan reading Arsene Lupin. Because that's also, of course, where his father hid the message. We then, cut, book. we then cut to Juliet asking her father if Babacar was the one who actually stole the necklace, and Hubert freaks the fuck out. And he's like, well, of course Babacar stole it. Who else would have stolen it? Well, at first he was like, how can you bother me about this? The uh, foundation's in trouble, and of course he did. And he's like, and people are constantly attacking me, and it hurts so much more when you're attacking me. Blah, 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 blah. Guilt you, guilt you, guilt you, guilt you. Then walk up next to you, creepily pet your head and face and be like, you're with me, though, right? And she's right, like, she replies, right. yes. Back in prison, the guys who Asana owes the dope to 
decide that they're going to finish him today in the yard. Yeah. But when they decide that, Asan takes the basketball from the guys playing basketball, goes for a dunk, but exaggerates his injury, and uses the dunk attempt to steal the basket's net in one in one jump. That's him. Fuck off. No. 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 It's not even like it was barely hanging on. It was secured all the way around the hoop. The guys decide that because Asan's made a little bit of a scene with himself, they decide to wait until that night to finish him yeah. off. Yeah. Back in the infirmary. We see them pay off a guard earlier. Yeah. Back in the infirmary, the attendee there accuses him of being in love with her because he's back there because he injured his side when he did that jump. Yeah. In the infirmary, he Asan convinces her to let him see Kamei one more time and commits, um, asks him to make his wife smell for him. Because yeah. Because he, he doesn't think he's getting out. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. He is walking out. He's holding the doctor. It was great to get to know you. And I was glad to have met you. Yeah. Lovely to meet you. So, you know, she assumes he's going to off himself, and he just heads off to go to bed. Throughout the episode, we get a couple cuts to Claire and Raul. You've mentioned it once already, but we get another one here. Yeah, he, he's just reading the book and told to go to bed. Yeah, he's been obsessed with his cell phone, but now he's obsessed with the book. Hmm. That's all. And also, we saw it once earlier, I think we see it again here. We have another third member who's also just obsessed with reading Arsene Lupin books. We occasionally see Yusef reading the Lupin books. It's cut between Asan, Raul, and Yusef. Yep. At the prison, a guard lists one of Bogdan's guys out of his soul. We learn his Bogdan's name. boys. Come on, man. Go for the alliteration. We, we learn his name is Bogdan. Mm-hmm. In the police station, Yusuf, like you said, is still reading Lupin books. And the other cops are leaving him mocking him like, Also, if you find a clue for any of the other cases in a Harry Potter book, let us know. And the attending doctor from the infirmary then finds Lupin hanging in the bathroom mm-hmm. while the showers. And uh, the alarm goes off and we see Bogdan's boy walk in back into Bogdan's house like, Kill him like, no, he was already dead. It was easy. He was hanging in the showers. Yep. So we then get a scene where they're willing him out of the prison. Into an ambulance. And we get kind of interstitial cuts of him taking pills and dosing himself with them. From what looks like an over, uh, not even an over-the-counter bottle, and they looked very much like off-brand Advil or something. But whatever he took, it was enough to like make his pulse low enough that mm-hmm. they thought he was dead. And then he set up a uh, sheet to make it look like he's hanging himself but he also tied in the basketball net that he's wearing underneath his arms like a support so it doesn't actually strangle him and whoever cut him down didn't fucking realize that yep also when they checked his pulse they didn't realize that uh they apparently didn't try to do any form of compressions or anything or else they would have felt it in other words all i'm getting from this is the french penal system cares just as much about their prisoners as the american one does so also, not at all also if they try to do compressions he would have broken ribs here which would be hilarious yeah but like so uh yeah they, they, they don't care that he's but dead, which that tracks not off prison he makes his way immediately to mrs pellegrini's mm-hmm. where he confronts her with no hesitation about framing his father and she admits to who or seen him uh, design a confession and she admits that she was the one who paid for a son to um, attend private, private school. school yeah. And he's like, that was you. And it's like, how the fuck are you like a criminal mastermind and not aware of that? Fuck um, off, man. She says a police officer promised her that Babacar would be okay if he just admitted to it. Yeah. Uh, she talks, she says like she was talking to Babacar and she's like, guilty and free is better than innocent and imprisoned. And uh, she claims that a judge was supposed to be lenient with him. And a son actually in like a really good line here is like, Dills, Dills don't work. work for people like my father. They only work for people like you. Yeah. He then pushes on her to like mm-hmm. reveal who the cop was that like facilitated this agreement. And it was Inspector Dumont. Yep. We then get a flashback where we find out that Hassan met Benjamin at the private school they attended. Yeah. Where, of course, people were being douches because he was poor and black. And Benjamin stepped in and was like, hey, that's not how we mm-hmm. treat classmates here. I'll tell, I'll tell the director of the academy. Yep. And then we see Hassan showing up at Benjamin's place. They hug. 
Yay. Just to let him know he's not in prison anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we see a song sneaking into a random lady's house. And he leaves a diamond from the queen's necklace on a photo. Of her and her husband. Her husband was Etienne, who would have guessed. Yep. Back in his apartment, Asana is then researching into Inspector Dumas. End of episode. And the episode ends there. That's it. Yeah. We did it. We completed this. We've summarized these two episodes. So I assume my outlook is still probably better than yours. So do you want to go again? um, This episode is better based. Definitely, Um, definitely. It doesn't feel nearly as much as a leverage clone in this episode either. No, it actually feels like it's going to be trying to tell an overarching story, not just episodic. Yeah. I'm still not quite interested in it. Yeah, um, I probably won't watch any more of this at this rate. But the show had really good music. That was that was an upside for it. The, like the music was probably the best thing about the show. Yeah, the music has been good throughout in both episodes, actually. Yeah, that's my take. I'm not going to watch any more of it. Um, the music was good. I might. Okay, so I'm not going to say I won't watch any more of it ever. But I have so much other stuff that I want to watch. It's first. a show that if you're watching it, it's probably because you've nothing else you're interested in watching, or you just kind of want background noise, like mildly interesting background noise. Look, I'm still in the middle of rewatching Burn Notice, and as bad as Burn Notice gets sometimes, I'd rather watch the worst episodes of Burn Notice than watch more of this. Yeah. So, in my opinion, definitely agreed. Episode 2 is so much, so much better paced. Because Burn Notice is at least clever, even when it's bad. True. And this episode actually managed to hold my endurance in, like, a few spots. But, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily watch more of this. If you're really craving, like, Lupin stuff, there's a Lupin French show from, like, the 70s that I've heard good things about. I think it was like the 70s, 80s. It lasted a while for my opinion. If you're opinion, wanting a high show and you, that you haven't seen yet. Leverage, Burn Notice, White Collar. There are other things where if you want like the Lupin aesthetic of Gentleman Thief, there are quite a few things. And if you want specifically Lupin. Professor from La Casa de Papel has su- such Lupin qualities about him. Yeah. And if you want specifically Lupin, there is so much Lupin media. There's films, there's television. He shows up in manga and comics and books. Read the books if you want Lupin stuff, if you haven't already read them. Like, there are so many other things. And if you're just enough for the gentleman thief aesthetic, there's even more, more stuff out there. Yeah. This show is middling at best. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. I wanted to be. Like I said, spending an hour and a half with this plane in the background while I was asleep, it literally made its way into my dreams. Yeah. Like the trailer. The trailer made it look so much better. But then again, that's what trailers do. Yeah. We should make a trailer for this, for, for our stuff. That way it can actually seem decent. I don't know if that's possible. We can try. I don't think it'll work. Ugh, yuck. I don't normally check this for shows we review. Yeah. But the Rotten Tomatoes score for this show is 96%, and the IMDb score is 7.6. That's sad. We're normally pretty close to like actual legitimate critic reviews when we've checked on things before. Not the shows we watch all the time. We check those on occasion, but not often. But like just other shows we watch in general, we have a hobby of like sometimes checking that to see how close we are, because... We'll watch something like score it ourselves, whether it's a movie or series. And generally, we're pretty close to like a critic consensus. Yeah. Rather uh, than the I audience. Typically, I typically lean a little higher than you, and you typically lean a little lower than me. Yeah. Um, and we generally average out to be about the critic response, or we're both like v- almost exactly half on there. a point away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And sometimes we flip flop. But there are things like this where I just I don't agree. And I think there are probably specific reasons as to why it's gotten the review score it has. Uh, well, that's... uh, not necessarily around its writing or its filmography or the things that make it a show. Well, that is all five episodes taken as a whole, too. So maybe, true, true. We didn't watch the maybe all five episodes add up to a 96%. Based on the first two, though, which is 40% of the current run, that'd be very hard. Episodes three, four, and five would have, to, have be, to sell it hard. And would have, have to, to be perfect. Like yeah. They would have to be some of the best television I've ever seen. I don't see the show doing that. Yeah, yeah. no, like... 
And that's sad because, again, I wanted so much from this show. Maybe that's why it's not as good as I wanted to be. Maybe I wanted too much, but... I don't know, because I, I was less hyped about it than you were. Yeah, I like me my gentleman thiefy stuff. And I still wasn't impressed by it. Yeah, I'll give you that. So, this show, it's not necessarily a watch or a do not watch. It's a its a show. That's what we got on it, I think, is the general consensus, yeah? Yeah, um, I'm sure there's better things you could watch, but there's also much worse things you could watch. It's Do you want to just give it a number rating out of 10 real fast? Like, to, to see where we're sitting on this after those first two episodes? Yeah. I have my lock, mine locked in. Same. It's a solid five and a half. Same! I, like, yeah, like, I was like... My mom was like, is it a five or a six? And I was like, wait, there's an easy spot between that. Five and a half. It's an easy five and a half. Which sounds bad when, like, people are like, but sevens are average. Sevens aren't average. Sevens are good. Legitimately, if you're ever saying the number of five, above five or a six is average... You're legitimately just wrong about how a scale of 1 to 10 works. You're breaking your scale. You're you're taking one, two, 1 and 2 off your scale, essentially. Yeah, because, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of, like, in my opinion, absolutely horrible shows that I can think of. Do you know why, though? Because I don't watch a lot of actively horrible shows. Well, also because most actively horrible shows don't get produced or made. Yeah, so, you know, it's hard to find a 1 or 2, but you have to have 1 or 2s for your scale to work. So I'm sure they... Actively, actively, actively horrible shows don't particularly exist but that you know what that means it means actually they do it's the shows that did get produced but only barely yeah i'm sure we could find some like maybe kiss this is a one or one and a half i i'm giving it a, a one it has like plot stuff happening i guess but yes plot I, stuff i don't want to watch it, it i didn't, plot I, didn't even, character development. I didn't even mean it in either of those ways but yeah uh it theoretically has a story to it anyways this has been co-pilots if you wish to contact us you can find us at copilotsreview at gmail.com gmail. mm-hmm. you can find us at copilotsreview on twitter or visit us at copilotsreview.simplecast.com which has the links to our email our twitter and our discord additionally if you would like to leave us a review on itunes or on wherever else you can leave reviews i'm not quite sure we'll gladly read that out if we see it I check my I check the iTunes about once or twice a month because nobody leaves reviews. Same. Also, you know, if you left like three reviews and labeled them as episodes, we might be able to review reviews because we just review things that have episodes. We're not reviewing the reviews, Justice. I can review a review if I want to. We're not doing that. Can we become a review that reviews reviews, review and reviews? I mean, I'm making no promises. At still- what point is it meta enough for you to agree to it? Stay out of my brain. I had ideas. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again for flying with us. We'll see you in a couple weeks with another review and about a week and a half with our interstitial content. Or I have some ideas for that. I Um, have none. I am a blank slate. We'll talk about that off the air. Please fly again soon. 